Welcome back to Office Hours. I am so excited. I have one of my mentors from afar. I have studied as much as I can with his New York Times best-selling books, a lecturer, and obviously researcher, which really impresses me. This man is more interested than he is interesting, and a great consultant as well, helping out so many people in so many different realms. Welcome to Office Hours, Dr. Joe Dispenza. I'm happy to be with all you guys. How's everything? Amazing. And it's gotten that much better now that we have you on the show because you are elevating so many souls in so many ways and uh, with actual scientific research behind what you're doing. Um, the way while studying you, um, I see you as someone that is reconciling all of these interferences between beliefs, uh, thoughts, and actions. You're reconciling so people can understand a better way simply to be happy is the way that I see it. And I was hoping that maybe you could share some of the research and reconciliation that you've been able to do between the mind, the body, and the soul, and how best we can elevate ourselves so that we can have a better experience in this journey. Wow, and I'll do that in, in about 15 minutes. Huh? You got 30 seconds. Look at <laughs> Um, well, look, uh, from a practical standpoint, and I'm a pragmatist, I, I, I want to take knowledge and information, and, and information and learning causes us to become aware of things that we were unaware of, and, and consciousness is awareness, and awareness is, is paying attention, so people do the best with what they think is available, and if they don't know something is available, they, they'll never make a new choice. So my interest is to combine different realms of science quantum physics, neuroscience, uh, neuroendocrinology, psychoneuroimmunology, you know, the mind-body connection, electromagnetism, epigenetics, build a model. All of these sciences point the finger at possibility. And if you give people right information and, and they can learn that information, when they learn that information, they make connections in their brain. That's what learning is. But the research shows that if you don't repeat that information, if you don't review it, if you don't think about it over and over again, those circuits prune apart within hours or days. So if we get a community of people together and give them the proper information, and science is the contemporary language of mysticism. It's what science, science is what demystifies the mystical. If you talk about religion, tradition, or culture, or spirituality, you'll somehow divide an audience. And so we build these models of understanding, and if the person can teach that model to the person next to them, if they can teach it back, if they can explain what they've learned, they're firing and wiring the circuits in their brain, and, and knowledge acts as a, a raw material for their brain to begin, begin to fire new sequences and new patterns and new combinations. And whenever you make the brain work differently, you're changing your mind. So mind is the brain in action. So as the person reminds themselves of what they've learned, they begin to install the neurological hardware in their brain in preparation for the experience. And, and the more they understand what they're doing and why they're doing it, then the how becomes easier. So then once you understand why you're doing it, then you assign meaning to it and you turn on your prefrontal cortex and now you have an intention. Now, if you can get your behaviors to match your intentions and your actions equal to your thoughts, 
if you can get your mind and body working together, you're going to have a new experience. Now, the application, uh, the personalization, the demonstration, the initiation of that theory, of that philosophy, when done properly, when your actions match your thoughts, you'll run into a new experience. And now the experience then enriches the circuits in your brain and you're beginning to change even more. And the moment those networks of neurons string into place, the brain makes a chemical and that chemical is called a feeling or an emotion. And the moment we feel success, the moment we feel abundant, the moment we feel unlimited, the moment we feel gratitude, the moment we feel love, we are teaching our body chemically to understand what our mind is intellectually understood. So knowledge is for the mind and experiences for the body. And in that moment, the person is embodying the truth of that philosophy. And they begin to signal new genes that begins to change their biology because it's the environment that signals the gene. And the end product of an experience in the environment is an emotion. So what we're doing now is we're beginning to select and instruct new genes and genes make proteins and the body begins to change and you begin to embody the truth of that information and you're becoming it, you're becoming that knowledge. So if you can repeat it over and over again, whatever it is that you're learning, the repetition of the experience neurochemically begins to condition the mind and body to begin to work as one. And when you've done something so many times that the body now knows how to do it better than the conscious mind, now you've mastered that knowledge. Now it's innate in you. It's automatic. It's second nature. It's easy. It, you've literally become it. You're in a new state of being. So I teach people how to take knowledge or information and go from philosopher to initiate to master, from knowledge to experience to wisdom, to mind, the body, the soul, from thinking to doing to being, to learning it with your head, applying it with your hands, and knowing a bit by heart. Believing, behaving, and becoming. And we have all the biological and neurological machinery to do that. And, and teaching people how to change from one state of mind and body to another somehow produces measurable changes, not only in their biology, but in their life. So, so my interest is to demystify that process so that people have within their reach all the tools to begin to make those changes. And, and uh, research shows that it absolutely is possible to change. And nothing changes in our life until we change. Yeah, and I know you're dying. To ask <laughs> I have so many questions, Dr. Joe. I'm such a huge fan of your work. Um, so... Well, you talked a lot about intention, and I'd love for you to go a little bit deeper into what intention really means when you talk about intention, because I feel like people throw sure. that word around a lot. And how do you really come up with a true intention that is going to change your way of being? That's a, that's a great question. And, and um, we have this part of our brain called the frontal lobe. It's the crowning achievement of the human being. It's what separates us from all other species. Uh, it, 40% of the entire brain, and it's the brain's creative center. It's where we have attention. It's where we have intention. It's where we have free will. It's, it's where we invent and we speculate and we think of new possibilities. It causes us to restrain our emotional reactions and have a conscience, be conscious or observe really how we are. 
we can see ourselves. That's self-reflection or self-awareness. So many people wait for a crisis in their life. They wait for a disease or diagnosis or trauma to, to decide, oh my God, I have to really start to make some changes in my lifestyle and my behaviors and my beliefs or whatever. So they ask these questions to themselves, like what would it be like to be healthy, to be in shape? What would it be like to be wealthy? What would it be like to be in a loving relationship? What would it be like to have a mystical experience? And they do, they, we do this naturally. Uh, we begin to consume information that really is related to someone else who's done it or has the experience. And they're actually talking about how they created that experience. So the frontal lobe, when you ask the question, um, what would it be like to be healthy? So it, it has connections to all other parts of the brain. And it's like a symphony leader, a CEO, a boss. It, it looks out over the landscape of the entire brain and it starts to call up different networks of neurons that are associated with that question. And it begins to seamlessly piece them together to create a new possibility, a new idea, a new way of being. And your brain freezes a frame and creates an image or a model. And that's called intention. You are actually selecting a new potential in the quantum field. Now, here's where intention becomes amplified. The person who gets so involved in that image, in their mind, that future reality that they're selecting, that they make the thought so real in their mind that the thought becomes the experience. Now, the end product of an experience is an emotion, but the emotion they're feeling is not coming from anywhere outside of them. It's actually coming from within them. And the stronger the emotion we feel, the more we pay attention to that image in our mind. And in a sense, we begin to remember our future and we begin to brand those circuits neurologically in the brain to look like that future has already happened. So the fuel behind intention is an elevated emotion. And when we make up our mind that we want something or we want to change, if the amplitude of the energy that we make that decision with is greater than the hardwired programs in our brain and the emotions that keep us conditioned to the past, the body will respond to the mind. And the choice that we make in that moment becomes a moment in time we never forget. And that's the moment you would say, I know the moment I made up my mind to change. And so many people who do this, when they do it properly, they're giving their body a sampling, a taste of the future. And that's a huge explosion in the quantum field. That's a moment in time that's producing a change in energy. And that change in energy is something that is within us. And so the person says, I, I felt it. I know it's possible. Now, the key is to be able to do that every single day and be defined by that vision of the future instead of the memories of the past. And so our research shows that you can make your brain work better in four days if you understood a formula on how to do that. And what it does is causes the brain to get more creative and more intentional. And you can train a person actually to create elevated emotions and sustain those elevated states for an extended period of time. And the more they live in that emotional state of the future before it happens, 
the less they look for it, because why would they look for it if it feels like it's already happened? They're, they're no longer separate from it. And so when you combine that clear intention with an elevated emotion, you begin to produce a change in your energy, a change in your field. And that's when a person begins to see those synchronicities, uh, those opportunities, those coincidences that begin to happen in their lives. And anybody can do it. That's, that, that's, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, so I, Your frontal lobe hurt. It feels, it feels great, actually. Yeah. No, um, I, again, I'm, I'm a big fan, and I, I, I'm actually sort of practicing right now, um, becoming supernatural, one of my favorites. Um, there's an anecdote about you interacting with your son and your son wanting to, maybe not being happy with his job, right, and wanting to have, being able to travel and make more money and be a little more autonomous. And the practice is essentially, you, you mentioned it a lot, intention, attention, Write down the things you want to receive, right? Where you want to align energetically and then identify and write down how you're going to feel when you, when you achieve those things <clears> and get to that place. I have two questions. It is, I feel like I'm here because I'm doing that quite candidly. Um, do you find a difficulty or maybe some advice for people who actually get to that thing? Is there, is there a next thing, right? Or does that become, you know, what happens after you get to that, that point where it's like, oh, I actually did manifest these things. Do you find the next thing or... Is it about staying in that happiness and not necessarily having to find the next thing? And then what's, wow. uh, what's on is, your list? Wow. I, I'd love to sit down and answer that question over a bottle of wine in two hours. Don't. I'll take it. Yeah, I'll send, I'll send you a plane. It. I'll send you a plane. <laughs> Listen, it's really simple. It's, it's so fundamentally simple. So many people come to our work, right, for a change in their health, uh, a change in their life. Uh, a change in their career. Uh, uh, they, they've been through a dark night of the soul. Some come from mystical experiences. Some have had really brutal and horrifying pasts, you know? And they come for, because they're in lack of having something that they want. But as you continue in this journey, and this inward journey, and you teach people how to connect to energy and to information, and learn a formula to create brain and heart coherence, um, a person starts as a side effect to feel more whole. And when you feel more whole, uh, it's less likely you are in lack or you want something because you feel like you have everything. And how can you want when you feel whole? Uh, it's impossible. So then, the person who's on the journey, to me, it doesn't matter if they've created the experience, they created the new job, they created the new relationship, they created the wealth. Every experience that we have causes us to think of possibilities that we've never thought before because we never had the experience. And there's not infinity, there's infinities. Because every new experience that you come across and how you create it in your own way is wisdom for you to begin to ask a bigger question. What would it be like to have a mystical experience? What would it be like to uh, see into the future? What would it be like to heal another person if I healed myself? And is there, is there a quantum model of reality where I could actually heal another person at a remote location? And, and so the, all of these possibilities are the result of a person achieving what they thought they wanted in that moment. But as you evolve your experience and 
with every new experience comes a new emotion. And we're not talking emotions like anger, or resentment, or fear, or anxiety, or pain, or guilt. Those are the ones that we've already experienced. And these are elevated emotions that tend to be more related to a genuine love for life, or a, a joy for existence, or the freedom of expression without feeling any limitations. And the side effect of this is you feel so amazing that you want to give. And that's what's happening in our work. We have a tremendous community that are givers uh, that, that heal other people. Uh, they, they get more from giving uh, than anything else. So, so when you're abundant, when you're successful, when you're whole and when you're healthy, when you're in love with life, you want others to feel the same way. So, so many people come for many reasons in the work, uh, and they keep continuously evolving their experiences. Uh, and then, but really, the side effect is that people all of a sudden, all of a sudden, want that feeling of wholeness. And and um, we can we can actually measure what that looks like in the brain and the heart. And, and we've actually interviewed people reach that moment of. Um, what we call relaxed and awake, that ecstasy, that bliss. They feel, they, it's a, they feel like when it happens to them, it's not coming from anywhere outside of them. It's coming from within them. I think that's when the game changes a lot. So, so I think it's only equal to the questions that we ask, but we need the experience so that we can ask, if I've healed myself, can I heal another person? If I healed another person, do I actually do I have to be in the presence of them? Can I involve my model or my experience? And really the mystery is shortening the distance between the thought of what you want and the experience of having it between cause and effect. And that would mean you would be exerting a greater effect on reality and, 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 um, and doing it in a way that where you don't have to do it by trying to force or control or manipulate outcomes, that somehow those experiences start coming to you. Uh, that's when the game, I think, becomes exciting. Can you say that one more time, the mystery line for the people in the back, one more time? <laughs> which, which part? Was the, 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 um, the sort of the mystery between, you know, what, what, oh, what you... So, yeah. so, yeah, so the interest, my, my interest, if I am the creator of my life, I would want to practice getting so good at it that I could shorten the distance between the thought of what I wanted mm -hmm. or the thought of what I want and the experience of having it between cause and effect. And the interval between cause and effect is called time. So then when we shorten the time to create what we want, then we're mastering our effects or mastering our reality. And for me, uh, that's one of the interests that I have. Amazing, thank you. Yeah, Dr. Joe, this is tr truly amazing and remarkable. You mentioned a, a formula to improve brain function in four days. And I, I'm curious, is that same formula applicable to children and how can it be applied to them? Do you have any thoughts on that? Now you know who the sure. new dad uh, is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's a great question. We just got contacted by a, a major university in Australia who now is interested in funding some projects on meditation for uh, schools. And with, uh, you know, our first study will be a thousand children. Imagine that. Uh, ages of five to uh, uh, 12, I think. And um, in our week-long events that we do around the world, surprisingly, we have a, an incredible youth community. And so if we run an event for 15 or 1,600 people, it's not uncommon that we have between 70 and 100 
kids under the age of 26 years old. And they are interested in, in learning these concepts because if they learn them now, uh, the rest of their life will be easy. So uh, we do quantitative studies on 10-year-olds. We study their brains. Um, and, and by the way, uh, their parents are always worried about them. And these kids have no difficulty uh, in doing exactly what we ask them to do. And so uh, a coherent brain uh, is a very, very clear intention. An incoherent brain is when you are distracted and can't pay attention. And so <clears throat> we, in the formula that we figured out, we see children that can do this so naturally, uh, they can slip into that state uh, uh, much easier than, than adults. So, so absolutely, we, we're, we're fast on the track with our youth community. I, and for me, it's, it's, uh, it's a really important value that our youth are, are our future. And I want our youth to uh, resolve the present problems that are in the world from a greater level of consciousness than the consciousness that's created it. And we need to invest in our children. You know, it's so fascinating how time uh, is always intertwined within the context of all of these different areas where people are confused. And I found we like to give of takeaways and comments, uh, Dr. Joe, the interval between cause and effect is time, and that relativity of time really, I, I believe, has some sort of um, value in the time that it takes from the thought to experience, because that time is relative to the experience itself, and I just find it fascinating. I tell people all the time when they are studying you or reading other people, I said, Try to think of it in both aspects of the man-made construct of time, but the speed of thought. And the speed of thought is in its own infinite realm. And when you said that statement, it's probably one of the biggest takeaways I've had uh, with all the great world thought leaders that we've had on here. Uh, you're now just going to send me down a rabbit hole for the next three weeks <laughs> looking at that one. So I just wanted to thank you for the takeaway of the day. I didn't know if any of you wanted to share a quick takeaway as well before we let Dr. Joe go. Oh, man. Um, so many takeaways and just reminders. Uh, I love getting constant reminders of the more that you feel the feeling, the more that you attract that feel or you, you can experience that feeling. I have a one follow-up question. Sure. Hopefully he can answer this quickly. He's going to charge his double. <laughs> what is the fastest <laughs> way to tap into the feeling that you want to feel? If you are a... Uh, you got to stop practicing feeling those other feelings. Because people wake up in the morning, the first thing they do is they think about their problems. And those problems are memories that are etched in their brain that are connected to certain people and objects at certain times and places. So the moment you remember your problems, you're remembering your past. And that means you're thinking in the past. And most people feel the feelings that are associated with those problems. And then their bodies in the past because thoughts are the language of the brain and feelings are the language of the body. And it's the thought and the feeling. It's the memory and the emotion. It's the stimulus and that conditions the body emotionally into the past. So you say to the person, get in touch with the feeling of what it would feel like if your future happened. And they say, I can't. And they can't mostly because they're too busy feeling the same feelings. They have to step outside of their known self. And so well, if we're living in stress and we're living in survival and it's not a time to create, 
and the emotions of stress, fear, and anxiety, and worry, and pain, and suffering, and guilt, and shame, and anger, and aggression, and competition, and hatred, and violence. Um, and 70% of the time, people live in some emotional state that's derived from the hormones of stress. Uh, it makes sense then, it's gonna be really hard for them to open their heart, <laughs> because you don't open your heart in the jungle. It's not a time to open your heart. It's not a time to learn. It's not a time to go within. You be eaten. It's a time to run, fight, and hide. And the vigilance and, and um, the arousal from the stress hormones causes us really to focus on our problems. And we, we literally use our problems as a reason to feel emotions. And we, and we get conditioned. So breaking the conditioned response takes time. That's why we run these week-long events. And so if you taught a person how to slow their breathing down, and start working with their body to move it into the present moment. And then they took the time to feel the gratitude of the future event happening before it happened, feeling grateful before it happens. Mm -hmm. And you can train them to create that kind of level of order and coherence in their heart. Um, if they keep practicing that, now their body is so objective that it doesn't know the difference between the real life experience that's creating that emotion and the emotion that they're actually creating by thought alone. Their body's believing it's living in a different environment. Now, our research shows that if you do that for 10 days, if you do that for seven days, your body will look like genetically that it's in a different environment. and You could be in a ballroom for seven days and there's not a lot happening in the ballroom. So we got to stop feeling the feelings that we typically feel that we practice so much. And we have to start conditioning our body to feel a different way. And those are different chemicals that we have to work on helping the body make and moving it out of survival to the present moment. And gratitude means something wonderful just happened to you. Gratitude means something amazing just happened to you or is happening to you. So its signature is the ultimate state of receiving. So teaching people to practice that on a regular basis and show them that they could actually create some type of change in the way their heart works. Um, if they keep practicing, they'll get better at it. And, and that's exactly how we get better at it is to practice. Yeah, I, I, my biggest takeaway is, is how simple you make these really complicated concepts, right? You talk about neuroscience and genetics and epigenetics, but the, the answer is to you know, practice more gratitude and try and let go of the, of, of the negative thoughts that impact your daily life. And it's a, it's a very simple practice for something that can be so complicated. And that's... No, here, here's the truth. The truth is, is that you have to become conscious of your unconscious thoughts. You have to become aware of how you speak and how you act and those habits. And you got to know those feelings that bring you to a lower denominator in your life and catch yourself. This isn't about... This isn't about, oops, I thought the wrong thought. It's, it's becoming con so conscious of your unconscious self that you'd never go unconscious to any thought, behavior, or emotion. And that's how we change. How many times do we have to forget until we stop forgetting and we start remembering? That's called the moment of change. Thank you. Yeah, powerful stuff. I mean, so many great takeaways. I'm going to go back to the one from my question. I think investing in the youth and, 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 and teaching them these things now so that they can vibrate at a higher level and, and be w way more aware than this generation to be able to solve, have the, the, the tools in their tool belt to solve some of the problems by, that were established by people that came before them, I think is, is very impactful and paramount. And obviously, 
another one that goes along with what Dr. Joe said is always be learning. And obviously he's, he's a student of everything that he, he teaches and, uh, and passing that on to, to the youth, uh, the, the voracious reading and learning and, and being an expert in what you're in. Thank you so much for sharing time with us and, and all of these wonderful lessons. Thank you so much. God, thank you guys. We've had the world's most interesting man. Now we get the world's most interested man. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's an amazing honor to be that. Thank you for reconcil reconciling what we do say, think, believe, and now even feel emotionally. The incredible Dr. Joe Dispenza here on uh -huh. Office Hours.